Well, happy birthday, Redeem Alive. Well, welcome. We have the young people here. Can you believe it? We're seven years old. Yay! We're seven years old, and Soji is 25 years old. Uh, and who else? We also uh, Erica is 27 also. 25, let's say 25. Everyone's 25. 25, 25, 7 is Redeemer Life. Uh, and Sean is 25. 26. <laughs> um, well, 7 is a good age, right? Do you remember when you were 7? You do? What happened? Do you, how many of you remember when you were 7? You remember? Did you have a birthday party at Chuck E. Cheese or? There was a Chuck E. Cheese? No, Chuck E. Cheese has been around forever. Sorry? Oh, you came from Korea and uh, at the age of seven you had Chuck E. Cheese? No. Oh, you were seven when you came here. My goodness, yeah. So, exciting age. Seven is an exciting age. Um, you know, uh, seven years old. Um, uh, of course, this was a three-year um, period of gestation. This was a long pregnancy. Not pre not, when Redeemer Life was being birthed, it took three years. And then at the end of third year, um, Redeemer Life was, was born and... Um, now it's seven years. This is amazing, quite amazing. We, we do have some of the original people here. I don't know if you have pictures of those. David, did you uh, put the, the pictures of people there? No. We should do that at some point. Um, you know, get all those people who looked like they were seven years old, seven years ago. Um, and now we are seven what do you what do you think of uh, what do you think of the age seven? Is is seven a good age? What about kids? You have kids that were seven and are older now. What what is uh, what describes a kid that's seven years old? Very active. Very active. Yeah. Okay, active, creative. Creative, what else? What else describes um, um, a Russian kid that's seven years old? <laughs> oh, curious, yes, yes. Active, creative, curious. There is a U. Learning. There's no E after that. Learning. You know, they should come up with... Uh, David, can you come up with a board that has got a spell check with it also? Uh, <laughs> learning. Learning. Yeah, learns. What else? What, what, what about you, young people? What do you think? You remember when you were seven? Short. Short? Short. Short. Okay. Short. 
Did you have a growth spurt after seven or something like that? You suddenly, your parents said, I don't know where to get these shoes from because all the shoes have become small. What about you? Seven? Now remember, your parents are here. <laughs> Annoying? No, you were never annoying. No. <laughs> annoying. Every seven-year-old is annoying. Okay. So how does that describe our church is the question, right? We are seven years old. Do you think what fits there? Annoying? What do you think? It does fit? I would agree. No, no joking. All right, it's just annoying. It could be, I don't know. Elders, e-board members, what do you think? <laughs> they, would, they don't want to say anything at this point. Uh, so what are, let's, do a, let's do something called a sore analysis of our church. We are seven years old. Think of the time, all those seven years. Uh, a sore analysis is... An analysis that enables us to soar, you know, we soar in the sky with the eagles. It's got those four things. There's strengths, and then there's opportunities that we would have, that we have had, uh, aspirations, and, and results. What do, we, what do we want to, where do we want to go? So you see those, those four things there, strengths, opportunities, aspirations, results, um, what, what, are, what are some of the things that, we, that you would say about this, this family called Redeemer Life at age seven now? What are some of our strengths? Uh, you know, I, I think we've been active, right? Would that be all right? Uh, creative. We've been creative. I mean, this board we have here that is being creative. Um, we are curious. There shouldn't be an E there. Sorry. Oh, we do learn. Yes, we are learning. We still, we haven't reached a plateau. We want to learn. Um, we are short. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> um, but what are some of the other things? So, um, what do you think? Well, let's start with the young people first. What are the strengths of our church, of our family? Um, that we have a strong bond between oh, strong bond? That's really good. Strong bond. Strong bond. That is good. We, we have uh, familyhood. 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 What else? And that's pretty cool. Diversity, diversity, diversity. We speak with all kinds of accents, you know. There's the Indian accent, there is... What else? Diversity. Come on, people. What do you think? Strength, strengths. That's okay. Strengths. Our people at the back. Oh, friendly. Yes, yes. We are friendly. We are friendly. 
we are friendly, hi before E, except after. Uh, so we are friendly, sometimes too friendly. You know, I was supposed to be introducing someone and then someone else came and said, no, no, be careful. He's going to ask you to come and give a speech in front. So friendly, what else? Um, caring, yes, caring. We are caring. That is true. Lots of young people, young youth, young, that is good. Lots of young people, youth, giving, very good, giving. Now based on this, what are some of the opportunities that we have in our community at, in, in Naperville, uh, Naperville? You know, I've been around in all these places, sorry. We're in Vernon Hills. <laughs> There is Libertyville, there is Northbrook, there is Glenview, there is uh, all these places. What are the opportunities? Sorry? No, it's Mundelein. Oh, Mundelein, yes, yes, Mundelein. What else? Well, so opportunities. What are some of the opportunities that we have? We are at Sullivan Center. Oh, well, uh, so uh, gospel for families. Gospel for families, diverse families. Families that will come and experience friendliness, caring, youth, givingness, curiosity, all those things. Okay. What else? Serving. So we need to serve, we need to serve, um, serve more the community, look at the needs of the community, financial needs, um, um, needs of care and all that. What else? Sorry? Growing together, growing together, so growth, numerical growth, as well as growth and togetherness, growing. What are, what are, so those are some, what are the aspirations? What would you like um, Redeemer Life to be in um, the next seven years? Of course, we'll be entering into the teenage years then. I don't know if you want to. How are teenage years? They're hard, so, <laughs> so maybe you don't want to go to this next seven years. Yes. So aspire to openness, recognize brokenness, aspire to openness, okay, recognize brokenness, aspire to
openness. What else? Recognize brokenness, aspire to openness. So aspire to the, the, the very nucleus of the gospel, loving, loving with everything um, that we have, with all your heart, all your mind, all your strength. Actually, the word strength there in Hebrew means your finances. It means bring all your substance into the presence of God and love your neighbor. God, neighbor. I intentionally did the British spelling there. B-O-U-R. It's that's the way I learned it. Um, what else? Uh, what about, and, and so what are the results going to be when we are 14? Or 21? Or, or 25, 25, 26. What are the results? What do you think? Growth. Growth of the church, okay? Growth of the church. Um, what else? Do you aspire and results? Known in the community. Known, known in the community. Known in community. Maybe do church planting so that there is ten more every seven years. One more Redeemer life somewhere. What do you think? Every seven years, seven years, is that a good goal? One more Redeemer life. Born in, I don't know, North Chicago, Waukegan, or something like that. Um, this is really good to do this uh, very brief um, SOAR analysis. The, the, it used to be called SWOT analysis, but of course, you know, you're talking about threats and all that. Soaring is the idea that we want to go where God wants to, wants to enable us to go, to soar, to, to by His strength get from one stage to the next. And, and that's one of the things I want to kind of focus attention on. Um, very quickly, we'll be going through uh, a set of verses um, from the Bible where, where, I, where I kind of reflected on the number seven. What's the number seven all about? Why is seven important? Seven is an important number in the Bible, and you you, you have um, this whole idea of sevens that I, I reflected on very often when, when I uh, train for marathons or run the marathon. Uh, the first uh, seven miles is what I call the stressful miles. Those are the, the there's a lot of stress. There, and there is a lot of stress when you initially plant the church. The first seven miles is full of stress. Now you can breathe a sigh of relief. The next seven miles, I call them the sanguine, uh, restful stage of running. Your heart comes to a stage of restfulness, and you're able to run. 
And then the next seven miles after that is the steadfast stage. And then the finishing is what I call the soaring final stage. You get this final surge of energy and you say, I can do this. Oh, I've gone over the heartbreak hill and in Boston and I can do this now. And, and you soar. And, and so that is my hope will be as, as Redeemer Life goes on, we would go through this journey. But what we learn from the sevens in, in the Bible is, is the question. I'm, I'm very quickly going to go through certain sevens in the Bible from which we can, I hope, learn some lessons. So we're not going to go into a whole lot of details there. The first seven, the first seven that, that I picked out is, is from Genesis chapter 2 and verse 2 where it says, In the seventh day God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. So the question, of course, is, you know, if God is God, why did he need to rest, right? God is God. I mean, why did he need to rest? And the point there is that the word rest doesn't mean what we mean by rest. I worked so hard i worked really hard. Now I want to rest in front of the television set or whatever. Don't bother me. That's not the word here. This is the word of the state of restfulness. And that's what God wants. It's the word Shabbat or Sabbath. Which, which happens, of course, every seventh day. And it's not because you work so hard every six, for six days that you come to the seventh day and you say, I, I want to just forget about work. But it's saying, no, it should remind me of the fact that I have now reached the stage of restfulness. And it's okay. I think the world needs to see that of us, right? The world needs to see that we are a group of people who know that restfulness, who know what it means to be restful in society. So Redeemer Life, it is our commission that on this seventh year we remember that we may carry out the message of God's restfulness in a, restful, in a restless society. The society is restless. They need, they need to be around restful play, people and so I hope we would do that. The next seven that, that I, I want to pick out, now there's a number of sevens, I just picked out ten of these, is, is what happens um, during the time of, of Noah's flood narrative. There's a number of sevens there. There's a lot of sevens there. There is this seven days when the flood waters would begin. And then you go to, and that is, of course, you're not looking forward to it because what is happening there is that, that people have been doing awful things to others and because of that, people were dying. That is found in the preface to the flood narrative in Genesis chapter 6. So God says, I've got to do something about this. I've got to bring about a cleansing of society. And in some senses... I think that is a part of our responsibility is to point out the brokennesses that we see all around us. The cutting edge of the gospel should never be minimized. 
that we point out. We don't shove things under the rug, but we say, look, society is breaking apart because of A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and maybe we'll get it wrong, but that's okay. Noah was a person of justice. And God used him to give the gospel to a society that was breaking apart, that was falling apart, and that was in need of cleansing. And so there is cleansing that takes place. But look at the end, at the end of the Noah narrative. Again, we're going through this very, very quickly. In Genesis chapter 8 and verse 4, there is the seventh month when the Ark of the Covenant comes and rests upon this mountain called Ararat. And in 8 and verse 10 it says, He waited for seven more days and then he sends out the dove. And then he sends out the dove for after another seven days. And so you get this idea that the sevens is important there. And right in the midst of brokennesses, when people need healing, you send out the dove. It's this message of peacefulness. It's almost like as God hovered over the face of the waters, you send out a message of hopefulness. That yes, bad things have happened. Human beings face the consequences of the bad things they do. But we also give the good news of the gospel. And you'll always find the dove appearing in different situations, right? Through the Bible, you find the dove appearing when Jesus is baptized. You find the dove appearing in Nehemiah chapter 14. You find the dove appearing at crucial times where, where the gospel is given. So that's what I call Noah's soaring. And then when I, want, I want to go a little further there. There is, there is uh, other times that, that I've found the number seven used is when Abraham goes into society and he sees people killing each other, doing awful things to each other. And there is a guy by the name of Abimelech. And Abraham goes to Abimelech and he says, come on, let's make a deal. I'll bring you seven ewe lambs and, and let, let me sacrifice these in front of you so that we make a deal. And he would say, well, Abraham, what's wrong with you? Abimelech is pagan. You can't be making deals with pagans. But that's what someone like Abraham did in his journey called this marathon run. He was able to go and share the gospel with people like that. And my sense is that we need to be engaging with our community and with people that we would consider to be non-Christians. You know, yesterday I had this amazing experience where uh, I was at um, Deerfield Public Library, and there were all these authors from different places, from Evanston, from, uh, from Northbrook, from um, um, Glenview, uh, from Chicago. They'd all come together, and, and, and you would say, you know, they, they've got strange ideas. I don't want to be with them. But, but the point was, that's why we need to be there. 
We need to engage with society. There's this lady sitting next to me, and she saw I looked like an Indian. She says, oh, I'm so taken. I'm a yoga teacher, she tells me. You know, and, and I said, I, I looked at her, and, and, and she says, this is so great. Tell me, can you tell me a little about yourself? And, and, and she says, yoga is just like Christianity and Judaism, and that's why I teach it. And we went on with the conversation, and I said to her, do you know that you're doing injustice to both Hinduism and to Christianity? Because that's not what yoga is. And she looked at me and she said, tell me more. At the end of the conversation, I was able to give her the gospel. We need to do stuff like that. We need to get out into the malls. And we need to be talking to people. We need to get into our neighborhoods so that we are not just this holy huddle of people that like to do our own thing. That's what Abraham did. He went and he sacrificed the seven ewe lambs at the end of those seven, the seven day. And, you know, I'm so thankful because there weren't any Christians, unfortunately, in this gathering yesterday. But the, the, one of the deans of Wheaton College came and he sat beside me. And both of us just kept on giving the gospel to one individual after another. People who are thinkers from different parts of the world. So we need to get involved in issues of this sort. Let's go on further. Uh, the, the next one is, uh, is Jacob's soaring, right? Jacob's soaring. Now, that's an interesting narrative there. Jacob um, was an interesting person. I like it that people are, you know, characters. Bible has a lot of characters. So he was a character who had to run away from his... Um, from his brother because his brother wanted to kill him. And then he goes there and he takes a liking to this young woman. Her name is Rachel. And he says, I'm going to work for you for seven years. So seven years, do you see that? He works hard at the end of seven years. He says, now, can you get married to this pretty young woman called Rachel? And so, uh, so the wedding celebration happens and, um, you know, and things happen. And then... Um, he um, gets up in the morning and he says, this is not Rachel. This is another woman, the other woman. So the father-in-law says, all right, you've got to work for another seven years. So he said, sure, I will do that. But that's the stubborn person. And many times we as Redeemer Life will need to be stubborn. Because stuff will happen. But we need to know what is the goal. And just like Jacob, we need to have this stick to Stick to what God wants us to do according to our mission, according to our vision. And things may go wrong. There might be Labans in our life. But we have to stick to what God wants us to be. That's what it takes to go into all these statements that we have made here about becoming a community 
that brings about healing right in the midst of brokenness, a community that grows, a community that's known. Well, many times we'll have to just be very, very stubborn. And I like kids that are stubborn. I think seven-year-old kids are stubborn, right? I mean, they're hard to deal with, but don't you want kids to be stubborn? They're just like us. We were like that. Parents don't like stubborn kids, but we were stubborn, and that's why we are where we are. And that's what it takes to redeem our life, to be a church that goes on. So you have a whole series of sevens. I want to go fast forward to probably the very last two. We won't go into the others there. The last two are the sevens that are found right at the end of uh, number nine and number ten, which it refers to something that's called the year of jubilee. So would you arise and let's read these two last paragraphs together. One is from Leviticus chapter 25, and here's what it says. And let's read it together, may we please? Count off seven Sabbath years, seven times seven years, so that the seven Sabbath years amount to a period of 49 years. Then have the trumpet sound wherever on the t everywhere on the tenth day of the seventh year month. On the day of atonement, sound the trumpet throughout your land. On the day of atonement, sound the trumpet throughout your land. Consecrate the 50th year and proclaim liberty throughout the land to all its inhabitants. It shall be a jubilee for you. Each of you is to return to your family property and to your own clan. The 50th year shall be a jubilee for you. Do not sow and do not reap what grows of itself or harvest the untended vines for it is a jubilee and is to be holy for you. Eat only what is taken directly from the fields. In this year of jubilee, everyone is to return to their own property. And then as we go on further, we recognize also another seven that Jesus was celebrating with his disciples. That seven is, has to do with the days of Passover. And so in Luke chapter 22, verses 7 to 16, it says together, Then came the day of unleavened bread in which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. He replied, As you enter the city... A man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters and say to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, all furnished. Make preparations there. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer.
For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. So let us repeat those last words again where it says, And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, for I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. You may be seated. I want to focus attention on this last seven here because I think it's so, so very poignant. Whole series of sevens, Passover, Sukkot, unleavened bread. Where, of course, you have this idea that something's going to happen. It happened during the time of Exodus. And then you come to you come to the book of Leviticus, it says, do you know why you're celebrating all this? You're celebrating all this because a day will come when God will come down. He will incarnate among you. He will suffer. And He will die. But that's not the end because the sevens go on and on and on. There's going to be another seventh day. And it will happen in the eschatological future when the kingdom of God will be here among us. And that same Messiah who came and suffered and celebrated the Passover Seder with his disciples from which we get the communion table, celebrated it because his eye was on that great day of jubilee. That is the mission of the church. That not just Vernon Hills, not just Libertyville or Deerfield or, or, or Northbrook or, or Evanston or whatever, but the whole world, just like the angel sang, Kadosh, Kadosh, Kadosh. Adonai Elohim Sevaot Malochol Haaretz, the whole earth is full of his glory. That is what we remember when we partake of this. On that, seven multiplied by seven multiplied by seven multiplied by seven. That is the mission of the church. And as we remember the death of the Lord, and as we remember the cup, of the new covenant in these elements, let's remember that Jesus said to his disciples that this is so that you look forward to that time when the kingdom of God will be among us. When this Messiah who died for our sins will come back as the bridegroom. And the church, you and I, will be the bride. Who? Not just the small group of people, but the whole earth. People of every tribe and tongue and language. From China, from North Korea, from, from Persia, Iran, from all of those countries where persecutions of Christians are taking place. There will be people who will recognize this Lord as king. That's the year of jubilee. 
that's what we should keep in mind as we celebrate our birthday, our Redeemer life.